Well, I don't know about you guys, but this last nine weeks of my life, if it was a chapter in my autobiography about my life, it would be called something like Zooming In or You Screen, I Screen, we all just screen for some social connection. Uh, It has taken over my work and my study, socialising and ministry. It's all been over Zoom, over email, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, and I assume that it's very similar for a lot of you. My use of social media has absolutely skyrocketed. It has been truly fantastic and a blessing um, as it has kept me connected with people and I'm really thankful for that technology, but it also, I've noticed, has this really indulgent and deceptive side to it. We live in this world that is inundated with social media highlights of people's lives. We get to see these perfect family portraits where everybody looks together and happy like they've never had an argument. We get to see fancy holidays. We get to see graduations and promotions and new puppies is a real trend at the moment too. But what we don't get to see is the hard and messy realities behind these highlight reels. It's amidst this backdrop of perceived perfection that I crave coming to church. And it's probably why I'm so excited to return to the building today. I come here, and to any church really, to find people who are openly and vulnerably sharing their stories about how God is at work through the mess, through the ordinary, through the dishes and the arguments and the cars that break down, but also the joys. When people share, I have found in my faith journey, and I think it probably is similar for a lot of you, that when we uh, share and when people give testimony of God's extraordinary work in their ordinary lives, I learn more about Jesus and his good news. In Luke's gospel account, we're told this story of Jesus healing a man who's possessed by a demon, uh, by demons. And you've probably heard this story. It's quite a common one. It gets told a lot. His life was really awful. He's tormented. He's suffering. And then Jesus casts his demons out. He casts them onto a herd of pigs. But that's not actually where the story ends. It goes on and Jesus says to this man, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And then the man did. He returned to his city and he spread the news about how Jesus had met him in his hardships and how Jesus had shown him love and mercy. I wish this story went on a little bit further. I have some questions. I wanted to know how many people in this city heard his story and turned to follow Jesus. I wonder how many believers in his city listened to his story and were encouraged in their own discipleship journey. Well, over the next four Sundays, we're going to shift our focus away from just hearing from the sermon and just hearing from me. And instead, we're going to hear God through testimonies from our own people, from our church community. We're going to call this the Now and Then series. And it's going to invite four different people to share their experience of isolation and how God has taught them as we return to our new normal. Each testimony is then going to have a short little mini sermon um, that accompanies it, and it's going to be based on similar themes and um, stories from the Bible. We hope that this series will help us all to reflect on who we were before, 
who we were during isolation and what it means for our lives going forward. We are changed, that's the reality of it. So let's reflect. We wanna know what it means for us going forward in our own lives, but also as a faith community here at Albert Park. So today I'm gonna to invite up Vicky Silcock, who's gonna share her experience of isolation and a little bit about uh, gratitude as well. Thanks, Vicky. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's lovely to be back, huh? Yeah. So I start where we all started. Sorry, Yvonne. I start where we all started, you know, that nine weeks, 10 weeks, 11, 12 weeks ago, when COVID-19 struck and you felt the weight of the world change. And then we, you know, we had our fire victims and then we had some inequality around how they were being um, helped. Then we saw people's jobs being lost and the redirection of money, you know, the JobKeeper, people's superannuation disappearing, people's salaries changing. Then we saw the financial recession of our country coming in. We saw the Black Lives Movement, which didn't stop with that for me. That kind of um, grew in all the areas of inequality in our world and in our country. So more and more things, you, you, you saw on the news, you know, the parents staying at home, the mums having to work while they're homeschooling, the dads needing to go to work, all the dads staying home. You saw the complexities of grandparents' lives either not being able to help their children or be with their families, or needing to do more. Um, I felt for the homeless people of our community and how are they managing. So as all those things um, kept going around in your heads and your hearts and your prayers and that weight of them came upon, um, a realisation of stop, you know, you can't spiral down into depression or anxiety. We have a journey to go on here. How are we going to do this journey? And for me, that was how am I going to do that journey as a Christian person? So, sorry. you're going to fix? All right, sorry. We're all friends, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's where my mindset was at the beginning. So my story goes along like this. I found myself, not because of COVID-19, but other circumstances, in my daughter's home with she and her husband and two children. They were needing some additional support because of work and university. So COVID-19 hit and it was decided that I would stay. And I was going to be marvellous at this. I was going to stay and I was going to help with everything. 
Well, it doesn't quite work like that, does it? It doesn't quite work like that. You know, it works like that for about three or four days, and then all of a sudden, you're no longer the wonderful helping grandparent. You're a little bit intrusive, and people are really stepping over each other. So that's, I'm going to be real, that's the bit of the murky bit going on. But out of that came this sense of gratitude. You know, I would be hopeless at staying at home, isolated in my apartment with just my husband. That would not serve me well. I'm busy, I like to be busy, and I like to be useful. So I'm seeing it that God gave me a role during this time. He gave me a role. I was able to walk the children. We were able to find trees to climb on because the parks were closed down. And I was having to use my head around creativity and little ones. And that was just such a blessing. We talked about the bark on the trees, the sap on the trees, the little grubs. We found little little things in, in the dirt, worms. You know, I held worms and held them out to the children to touch. And it was like a science, a science experiment, not an experiment, but a place where children don't get to go to these days so much. So, so my, my world became a grateful world because through the eyes of these little ones, I saw trees. Um, each morning I'd wake up and I'd say to the little one who jumped in on into the bed with me, let's pull the blind up. What sort of weather is it today? And so you were really having, I was having a really close look at the world. So I go, so that was my, my first part of COVID, this, this ability to do lots of washing, lots of cooking, lots of changing nappies, lots of playing in the backyard, and lots and lots of walking. Second stage came when we were allowed to go home. Um, as you know, my, I have a beautiful son, Chris, with special needs. His dad took the major role in making sure Chris had consumables, that he had food, that he had some company. They were an hilarious duo watching really stupid stuff on TV, like Mobility Mary. Apparently, she's really quite crazy with her, with her um, scooter, and and Chris being in a, a wheelchair. They just thought this sort of black humour was pretty terrific. PS4 games were played. Then I was able to start coming into Chris's place to connect with him as well because we were really monitoring how his well-being was going, not just with food and water and clothes and washing, but his mental well-being. He and I watched a heck of a lot of the dip, Vicar of Dibley. We watched the first episode. We watched the last episode, which was hilarious, um, and some in between. We prayed, so we, we used humour. We used some humour and fun things to, to really lighten, lighten the days. Another thing that came on my heart as a Christian were my neighbours. Um, 
and some friends in Brazil and in Canada. And so, uh, particularly the friend in Brazil, we would um, WhatsApp, message, and make sure she was getting correct information about how to reduce the effect of this virus on um, herself and her elderly mother. Um, and warned her, stay home, keep your mum safe. Um, so there were lots of lots of ways as a Christian that you could send up a piece of cake or a cupcake to a neighbour, thoughts and prayers for friends overseas, walking each day, waking up and deciding that today I'm going to be grateful for these simple things. You know, before COVID, my husband and I had organised several holidays this year, some lovely holidays, and all that was dashed away and you were brought back to a very, very feet on the ground, hands-on hands um, experience. And, and, to, and my quest was to be grateful every day, to, to have this gratitude of that our government had organised our country the way they did and that with our support and with our care, we would not see the devastation of other countries. Um, so that's my story, my story of um, an ordinary life, but really making sure that I opened my Bible, that each day I adjusted my attitude to one of gratitude and um, just stopped to pray and think of friends and family and those overseas. So to finish off, I'm going to invite you into our lounge room to a little um, YouTube from the Vicar of Tibley. Okay? And um, you might just relate to the YouTube just a little bit. So I hope you enjoy. All right, quick but cute. Goody gumdrops, I love your jokes. Right, now concentrate, okay? okay? Mm. A horse walks into a bar mm -hmm. and the barman says, hey, why the long face? Why the long face? Do you get it? No, I don't. The horse has got a long face. Why is he depressed? No, he's not depressed. Well, no, I don't mean actually depressed, not clinically, but something's obviously gone very wrong for him, otherwise he wouldn't be going into the bar with the long face. I mean, he's obviously lonely. Who knows? Maybe he's got a drink problem as well. Why was make this mistake? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I interrupted. You're going to tell me, why does the horse have a long face? Because he's a horse. <laughs> oh, wow. That is depression. If he's actually depressed because he's a horse, he'll never get out of that. Never. He'll always have a long face. <laughs> yes, because he's a horse. You agree with him? 
Yes, because I was a horse. So odd. I disagree. If I was an ant, I'd have a very long face. People treading on me all day. But if I was a horse, I would be so happy jumping over fences, over stiles, winning lovely rosettes at gymkhanas, having sugar cubes in my mouth. Do you know what I wish I was? No, what? A great, big, vicious Doberman dog. <laughs> Why? Because then I could rip your throat out. <laughs> oh. That is depression too. <laughs>
and he takes with him the message of Jesus Christ and he starts the church here in Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia, so it's the first church in this region of the world. It was full of retired soldiers, so it had a very patriotic um, people group there. So having the Jesus message come there was really a disruption for this community. They had to accept Jesus as the true king and not the emperor. However, after Paul leaves them, This Jesus community grew in number and the way that it was faithful to the Lord. So then later on, when Paul is imprisoned, the people of Philippi, the Philippian church, they send uh, a person to him with money and supplies as a show of solidarity and of support. And in response, Paul sends them this letter. In his letter, he teaches them how to live as these Jesus people how to shed their identity as the citizens of Rome and how to uh, shed their identity of citizens of the world and instead take up their citizenship in God's kingdom. This letter, though, doesn't ignore the struggles that they're facing but responds with encouragements. He was setting forward examples of how to be disciples and citizenship and citizens of God's kingdom. And this reading today comes from the very end of the letter. It's his closing statement pretty much to them as he challenges them to keep living the Jesus story forward. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. In this first verse, in verse six, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What I love about that part of the letter is that it doesn't ignore the disruption, the fear and the anxiety that our lives often hold. But instead, it instructs us to be honest, to be honest about our anxieties, to be honest about our grief. And not to just ignore them, but to give them to God in prayer and in petition. And we can be thankful, we can be rejoicing that we can present our requests and our needs to God. In verse 7, it says, At the peace and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Because when we are honest with God, He gives us protection. He gives us peace and understanding beyond the disruptions that can often feel like they're shattering our lives into thousands of pieces, like they're disrupting our very foundations. One of the beautiful things from Vicky's uh, reflection today was that amongst the disruption of COVID-19, 
amongst how shattered and confused she kind of felt at the start with everything that was going on, she landed in a place of gratitude. She found and felt gratitude. Gratitude for her loved ones, gratitude for the work that was keeping her busy, and gratitude for God. Vicky is an excellent example of what Paul is teaching us about the Christian life. Paul says in his letter that the peace of God comes from focusing and meditating on the truth. That we can grieve and we can vent to God about our hardships, but we aren't to become bogged down by them. He lists the things that we can meditate on, those things that are true. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things of God. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit is gifting us to think about. This verse isn't about toxic positivity or the denial of our suffering. It gives us space to lament. It gives us space to mourn and vent and let our hearts be known to God. But it also lets our minds be guarded by the peace of God. When we put these good things into our minds, they then stay in our minds so that when we go out into the world, when we're interacting with people, when we're even just thinking to ourselves, they come forth from us. They come forth in our behaviour, in our attitudes and in our words. It gives us a choice to see beauty and to see grace in every of life's circumstances. So I invite you, not to deny the disruption and the struggles of your life at the moment because they are inevitable. As we walk through this transition to our new normal and to beyond, life will sometimes give us more than we can handle. But God is giving us a way through. And that way through was talked about in Philippians. According to Philippians 4, this is the way through. Number one, We're going to acknowledge the anxiety and we are going to acknowledge the challenges that disrupt our lives. Number two, we're going to vent to God in prayer and petition. This isn't a long list of complaining. It's just being open as you would with any friend, except this friend deeply cares. It is deeply personal. We put our vulnerabilities before our God who loves us. And number three is do not get bogged down by the grief. You want to meditate on the truth and the goodness of life, the noble things, the right and just things, things that are pure, lovely, excellent and praiseworthy. Number four is let our hearts and minds be guarded by God's peace. This God of love who intimately listens to us wants to transform our hearts. He wants to transform and guide us in his peace to be these Jesus people, these people who look different from the rest of the world. And finally, God invites us to rejoice. Rejoice in this Lord who gives us his support, who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, who gives us his undeniable, unconditional, and quite frankly, unfathomable love. So I want to leave you today in a place of reflection, a lot like I asked Vicky a few weeks ago to reflect when she prepared for today. 
I'm not, I'm going to pop it up on the screen, but usually I give you guys a handout. I'm not going to today because of COVID, but I'll pop it on our social media and in this week's newsletter. So in your devotional time, you might want to bring this back up. I want you to think that as we enter our new normal, as everybody keeps saying, what did you learn in isolation that you're going to carry forward with you? What are you going to carry forward with you in life, in faith and in your relationships?